Father, thank you for this opportunity we have. I thank you for this conference. I thank you for these saints who are here, who desire to be used of you to do the work of the ministry. God, I pray that you would grant them the godly desire that you've put in their heart to be more equipped to serve you and your people through this conference. I pray you would even use this hour to that end, please. God, I pray that you would help me to speak clearly and always uh, in line with the truth of your word. We thank you for it. We thank you for the sufficiency of your word. God, we thank you that your word is so sufficient that it can address three weekends full of topics year after year after year, and we never get to the bottom of how your word can help us. Your word is a treasure. God, you are a treasure. I pray you would help us to learn to treasure you more through what we learn. I pray in this session, particularly about jealousy, I pray that you would fill us with uh, a greater devotion and zeal for you. Uh, uh, Use us to see that cultivated in others as well. Uh, We commit this time to you, this conference to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, let's uh, start with something. How about a little off the beaten track? Jealousy. Or, you know, is it off the beaten track? I I don't think so. I I think this is... Am I controlling this up here? Okay, so why a session about jealousy? I'd argue it's a very common issue. Just curious how many of you have been in a ministry situation where you're counseling someone or discipling someone or just being a Christian friend to someone and jealousy was part of the issue at hand. Can anyone remember? Okay. Uh, quite a bit in here. And I, I think probably many more of you have, have been in a situation where you're trying to minister to someone and jealousy is part of the mix. Maybe you just didn't uh, realize you should put that label on it. And if, if you can realize uh, that, oh, jealousy is part of what's going on here, that opens up to you a whole world of other scriptures you can minister to apply to the situation because the Bible says a lot about jealousy and and it also defines it so specifically for us that it opens up you know further sets of scriptures that you can apply that don't necessarily use that word. So it's a common issue. It's also a confused issue. Is jealousy always wrong? Now you are, you know, this is the advanced group, right? So you would so you would give me the right answer. Is jealousy always wrong? No. The answer is no. I, I heard mixed, so that's I don't know. I think I heard more no's. But the answer is no. But I think if we if we took just a random sample of faithful church people um, in America, we say, is jealousy always wrong? Most of them would say, Yes. Okay. But let me prove it to you that this can be righteous because Exodus 34:14 says the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. And yet it can also be unrighteous because other scriptures describe jealousy as a work of the flesh that will not inherit the kingdom. Galatians 5 says the works of the flesh are evident including among lots of other things jealousy. And I warn you as I warned you before that Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Also, James 3 says where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Sinful jealousy can be the root of every other kind of evil you can imagine. 
And, and one example we'll look at is Saul, right? When Saul started to get jealous of David, what kind of evil did that unleash in his life? He started throwing spears at a, at a, a young man that he had previously loved deeply. So it's important that we think through this, the distinction between righteous and unrighteous jealousy. It's also important because if we tell people just, just very simplistically, oh, you feel jealous, that's bad. Well, what if it's not bad? What if their jealousy is righteous and we tell them they need to turn away from it in a situation where it's appropriate for them to feel jealous? Well, then it's, it's like we're tying a burden on their shoulders that God doesn't intend for them to bear. And we don't want to do that. That's how Jesus condemned the Pharisees. You tie up burdens, heavy burdens on people's shoulders. So th- this is important. Um, let me give you one illustration. I was, I was counseling a couple. It wasn't too long ago. And it, w- it was a, um, there had been unfaithfulness in the marriage. And the wife confessed. You know, I, she, somewhere along the line of repentance, we, we were, it, this wasn't the first session or anything, but she, she confessed, I, I'm, how are you doing? I'm, well, I'm still, I'm still struggling with jealousy. And, um, if I'm honest, I still feel angry. Well, what should I tell her? Should I tell her? Yeah, I, I understand the struggle, but, but you should stop. Or, or should I tell her, okay, well, you can, you can keep feeling jealous, but you shouldn't feel angry anymore. Actually, to tell her that would be biblical nonsense because uh, jealousy is most often presented in Scripture as a specific kind of anger. Often a very intense and burning anger. I'm going to read for you some of these Scriptures uh, to stamp this in your mind. In God, jealousy is, is associated with his anger. Psalm 79.5, I'm just going to rapid fire through some of these. Psalm 79, how long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Zephaniah 1.18, on the day of the wrath of the Lord, in the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. Zephaniah 3.8, my decision is to gather nations, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger in the fire of my jealousy. All the earth shall be consumed. Nahum 1, 2, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. Deuteronomy 6, 15, the Lord is a jealous God. So beware lest the anger of the Lord be kindled against you. Ezekiel 5, 16, they shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken in my jealousy when I spend my fury upon them. Ezekiel 16:38 I will bring upon you the blood of wrath and jealousy. Okay, I I could add a lot of others, but but hopefully I've made it clear. Jealousy is a kind of anger. It's at least related to it, right? Uh, this is not just Old Testament, New Testament as well. Hebrews 10:27 talks about a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire the the word translated fury there is is actually the greek word that's that is the word for jealousy you could say a fire of jealousy that will consume the adversaries now that's this is also the case in us human jealousy is also associated with a specific kind of anger proverbs 634 jealousy makes a man furious and he will not spare when he takes revenge 
Proverbs 27, 4, again, this characterizes even human jealousy as an especially intense kind of anger. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Now, remember, uh, uh, burning anger, when we talk about that, that, that's not necessarily this raging fire of out, out loud, outpoured wrath. A burning anger can be something that's not outwardly apparent, like a slow inner boil, a, a, a bitter resentment. Okay, well, I, I think this is actually a very helpful insight because if you can remember this connection, then you can remember that a large part of counseling jealousy will be counseling anger. A lot of the same ways that you would counsel anger, you need, you need to use to counsel jealousy as well. And so this is very helpful, isn't it? You realize someone is jealous? Well, okay, look, look also for anger, and that opens up to you a whole other part of the Bible that you can use to apply to this situation. Also, the heart dynamics of jealousy are going to be the same heart dynamics that you probably already feel much more equipped to address, the heart dynamics of anger. Uh, but but let, let's refresh here. What is a biblical understanding of anger? I gave a few summaries. One from Robert Jones, Uprooting Anger. Anger is our whole person active response of negative moral judgment against perceived evil. Two... Uh, anger is a self-contained judicial system reacting to a perceived wrong with energy. Anger, by its very nature, takes a moral position. It judges. So bo- both of those indicate a- anger is, it, you can think of it, it's a judicial emotion. It's how we respond when we perceive that evil has been done and injustice has been done. Something that's not fair has been done. Something that is evil has been done. Our response is anger. And, and that's part of actually how we're made in the image of God, because the Bible says that that God's righteous anger is a response to his judgment about sin and injustice that he is seeing. So, so anger rooted in the image of God is our response to evil and injustice. But also, here's the other heart dynamic about anger to remember. It's our response to unfulfilled desire can be. That's James 4, 1 and 2. Um, If this is not a sharp tool in your counseling tool belt, it's time to sharpen it, bring it back up to the front. James 4, what causes quarrels, what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions or your pleasures, what you want, your desires, are at war in you? That's what's causing this interpersonal anger. You desire and you don't have, so you murder well, you, you murder at heart. You, you're sinfully angry. You covet. That's another desire word. You covet and can't obtain, and so you fight and quarrel. Okay, so here are the two big heart dynamics in anger. is our sense of justice and, and our desires. And, and in anger, these two dynamics are both at play. They come together, and so those two things are also at play in jealousy in the full sense of the word. Our desires, they actually shape our sense of justice. 
Our sense of justice help to shape our desires. Godly desires straighten out our sense of justice. Ungodly desires warp our sense of justice in, in a self-serving way. And, and so we get sinfully angry when our desires aren't met or fulfilled. Okay, so, so let's, let's move on now. This is related. Uh, jealousy go, grows from a specific kind of anger, but it, but it also grows from a specific kind of unmet desire. And it's often a very intense or burning desire. Um, we can see the connection between jealousy and desire. When we see how the word in scripture for jealousy, sometimes it just means coveting or envy. And this is often how we use the word jealousy in, in a kind of low level, uh, fun kind of way. This was the way that some mystery person over here used it earlier when I don't remember what what exactly the wise crack was. What was it? Don't be jealous about what? Oh, I didn't know. Okay, don't be jealous of him. Okay, all right. So, right? No, that's okay. But thank you for confessing. Yeah, that was yeah, that was good. See, see that skillful counseling. I manipulated him into. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So yeah, okay, so don't be jealous that he knows how to do this and I don't, all right? Well, that, that's, we, we use, what does that mean? Don't, don't covet. Don't desire what he has that I don't have, namely the ability to operate, like to turn a switch on the side of the remote instead of, it's, it's hard, okay? It's hard. But you know, you're jealous of someone's promotion. Uh, you're jealous of someone's, you know, the fruit someone's seen in their counseling ministry. Uh, you're jealous of someone else's, Marriage, it, it, it's when we use the word jealousy in, in kind of this, not the full sense of everything the Bible means about, for example, God's jealousy. We, we just mean coveting, wanting someone that wanting something that doesn't belong to you, that God hasn't given to you to attach your desire to. Uh, this same New Testament root word translated jealous, it, it can also be translated in covet. Actually, it's in James 2 about anger. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight. Well, well, the word there, that, that could be translated, you are jealous and you can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. 1 Corinthians 13, if you have a King James or an ESV, that says love does not envy. If you have a New American Standards, it says love is not jealous. Yeah, so the same Greek word there. Now, we also see this close connection between jealousy and desire by seeing how the word jealousy sometimes means zeal. Yes, jealous and zealous are the same, come from the same Greek word, or, or it can be translated earnest desire. So for example, the same uh, Greek word, or at least Greek root for jealous is, is translated zeal or zealous in you know, the, these places. I'll give you one, Romans 10, 2, I bear them witness. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And, and then, for example, in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Be zealous for them, he's telling them. Be, if you wanted to over-translate it, you could translate it, be jealous for them. Okay, so, so this, this connection, again, why, why am I walking you the slow route to a definition? Because I, I want you to be able to explain to someone what jealousy is, not by getting out my notes, but by getting out your Bible and saying, don't take it from this speaker I heard. Look, here's what the scripture says. 
Okay, so this connection also helps us to see jealousy is driven by an intense desire if, if it overlaps with the idea of zeal. Because zeal connotes, 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 connotes. Am I in the right place? Okay. Quinn, I don't know if, here's another thing that I'm doing wrong that if you can do, wow, my jealousy is through the roof, but the screen that's on here is not showing me anything. Oh, okay. All right. Good. So it's not my fault. That is good. Okay. So, so zeal connotes an especially fervent desire, right? That compels people to do things others may see as radical or fanatical. Uh, John two seventeen, his disciples remembered what it, it was written about the coming Messiah, the new David, Jesus, zeal for your house will consume me. Well, what was Jesus doing when zeal consumed him? He, he was turning over tables in, in the temple and fashioning a whip, making a homemade whip to drive people out of the temple. Okay, that's zeal, a very fervent and strong desire. Uh, the Hebrew Old Testament word for jealousy, including the righteous jealousy of God, that, that can also translate the word zeal. And the Hebrew word comes from a root that means to become intensely red or to die red. And the word picture of zeal or of jealousy then is a person feeling such deep emotion, perhaps especially anger, that that it produces color in their face. Okay, so just just like if, if this is what jealousy is, that means we can apply all these scriptures about anger We can also apply all of these scriptures that that talk about just a biblical understanding of desire. To assess and counsel a jealous heart, remember to ask these questions. This is how to biblically assess desire. Is the object of the desire appropriate? Versus inappropriate desire. Thank you, Quinn. So... Uh, if you want something that you shouldn't want, it's not yours to want, that's an inappropriate desire. The problem's with the object of desire. That's coveting. Wanting something that's not yours to want. Or a, a desire can be sinful if it's inordinate. Is the degree of the desire appropriate? Even if it's okay for your heart to, to desire a certain thing, you can desire it too much. It, it, your desires are not properly ordered. And especially we're familiar with it, an inordinate desire is when you desire it more than you desire the glory of God to love him, to please him by living righteously. So, okay, uh, remember this, though, little caveat, thinking about the degree of desire. Even godly jealousy can be very intense in his desire. So it's not necessarily an inordinate desire just because it's a very strong one. Okay, general tests, are you willing to... Just assessing desire, you, you can apply broadly, but including in jealousy. Are you willing to sin to get or keep this desired thing? Will you sin if you lose or don't get this desired thing? Do you think you need this to be happy, significant, or safe? And here's one specific test. Does this desire, when unmet, lead to conflict, strife, quarreling, and unrighteous anger? And all of those scriptures that I listed use the word jealousy, and, and they do so in connection with 
These bad fruits, fighting, quarreling, anger, hostility, striving, enmity, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. If someone has a jealous desire and it's leading to these other kinds of fruits, well, well, it, there's some sinful jealousy at least mixed in with it. Okay, These bad fruits come from a bad root. Now, just, just as a, a quick side note, I, I hope this is also instructive for you not just to learn specifically about jealousy, but, but thinking even methodologically about how to grow as a biblical counselor. When the scriptures that I can use, the way that the scripture is sufficient to counsel jealousy goes beyond the scriptures that use the word jealousy. And that's the case with, with a lot of the things that you're going to come across if, if you can understand the issue and especially the hard dynamics that are related to them, that's when really the beauty of the sufficiency um, you, you see in how it does apply. Okay, so now let's connect these things. Let's connect desire and anger. When we perceive... When we perceive an, an unmet desire becomes anger when we believe it's an evil or injustice for us not to receive it, right? So anger is not just I want something and I'm not getting it. Anger's a justice emotion. Anger happens when I want something, I'm not getting it, and I think it's an injustice that I'm not getting it. It's evil that I'm not getting this desire. It's wrong. You're making a moral judgment about this unfulfilled desire. It's when I desire rises to the level of I deserve. It's, it's when I don't get something I desire and I judge it as an injustice, evil. When I want rises to the level of you must. It's wrong if you don't give me this thing that I want. Okay, this is helpful. We're moving toward what, what then is, is jealousy, this desire that leads to anger. Right, but, but here are a couple of diagnostic questions distinguishing then righteous and unrighteous jealousy, applying especially the heart dynamic of anger. Is what you are jealousy, jealously desiring rightfully yours as God sees it? If so, maybe it's righteous. Maybe. If not, no way. Or here's the negative way to state the same question. Is it truly unjust is it truly wrong for you not to receive what you're jealous for? All right, here's the specific unmet desire that drives jealousy in the fullest sense of the word. The fullest sense of the word. It's a desire for love and loyalty or affection and attention or you could say recognition and praise that you believe should be yours, rightfully yours but it's given to another instead. And if you're angry that this love or attention is not coming to you, then that shows, even if you deny it, that you do think somehow in your heart that it's not fair, that it's wrong, that it's not going to you. So, so this is that last word should is, is why jealousy, the desire gives rise to anger. It's wrong for this loyalty to go to another. Okay, so, so this helps us to see righteous examples. Sometimes it is wrong for a certain love and loyalty not to go to a person, right? Do you know this? As in a, a betrayed lover in marriage. 
jealous desire and anger is righteous when the exclusive love and loyalty that belongs to a spouse is given to another. That's the context of the statement in Proverbs 6. Jealousy makes a man furious. He will not spare when he takes revenge. That comes on the heels of this situation. He who commits adultery lacks sense. So my friend, this sweet sister who said, I'm feeling jealous, I'm feeling angry. I could tell her, well, that's not necessarily wrong because you should feel angry because it's wrong that that this love and affection was not given to you. It belonged to you and just you. And it went to another. You have, you have to be careful. Make sure you don't respond to that sinfully. Make sure it's, it doesn't grow into the anger of sinful bitterness. But, but the fact that, that you would feel some kind of anger of jealousy in this situation is, is not in and of itself wrong. Also, here's another proof that um, righteous jealousy is, is appropriate in this case. In Numbers 5, uh, the Lord prescribes an offering of jealousy as a way to respond when a spirit of jealousy comes on a husband and he suspects his wife has been unfaithful. And and there's this weird ceremony, you know, that involves going to the priest and drinking liquid and her stomach hurts. And it, it you know, it it's, uh, we don't live in Old Testament Israel now. Uh, thank the Lord. But what this does show, what this does show The Lord doesn't say, shame on this man for feeling jealous about his wife. The Lord says, here's what you should do. You know, do this test. There will be the supernatural revelation that confirms whether or not uh, you have reason to be jealous. And in the end, it's amazing, in the end of Numbers 5, it says, the man shall be free from iniquity, even if it's demonstrated that she was not unfaithful. Next, God's design for marriage to become one flesh. That entails a love characterized by wholeness and exclusiveness. That there was a less awkward English word to choose there. Exclusivity. Okay. Exclusivity. To become one flesh. That means two, two people come together so fully they, it's like they have one life fully shared. All that I am and have and do is, is for you. All that the other has and am and and is and does is for the other. They have one mortal life fully shared. And and it's it's an exclusive kind of love that they share with each other. And so just God's plan for for marriage uh, indicates a jealousy would be appropriate because of the exclusivity of married love. Also, Song of Solomon's eight six Song of Solomon eight six, this is amazing. One of the, the apexes of, of expressions of married love in that book. One of the lovers says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire. The very flame of the Lord. The lover's not confessing sin there. <laughs> Talking about the jealous love that they have. Okay, in righteous jealousy, there's a burning anger that's rooted in a burning desire that's rooted in a burning love. And that brings us, well, well, let's read some of these, these, these quotes. Godly jealousy 
is a praiseworthy, this is J.I. Packer, godly jealousy is a praiseworthy zeal to preserve something supremely precious, a zeal to protect a love relationship or to avenge it when it's broken. But again, the key is, the key is, is that love that the person is jealous for, is it rightfully theirs as God sees it? In a marriage, yes. Uh, also, J.I. Packer, I don't know that this one's, I think this one might not be on your quote. Oh, no, this is like the ultimate speaker annoying thing. He reads a quote that he didn't put on your handout. This is also J.I. Packer knowing God. He says, Scripture t- treats the husband's resolve to guard his marriage against attack when he do- brings the offering of jealousy and to take action against anyone who violates that as a natural, normal, and right thing and proof that he values marriage like he should. Here's a related quote that is on your handout. John Bettler says, God is jealous about your marriage. He wants you to be jealous about your marriage. Why do you say that? Well, because the writer of Hebrews tells us marriage should be held in honor by all in the marriage bed, undefiled, God will judge the fornicator and the adulterer. So you should jealously long for and guard the purity of your marriage and be troubled by any threat to your oneness. He wants us to put energy and effort into our marriages. He wants us to be zealous for our marriages. In the Bible, jealous and zealous are the same word. Jealousy can be the purest sign of love. In my experience, the biggest threat to marriage is indifference. You're in trouble when you've stopped being jealous. I did, I did one time. I hadn't, I hadn't gone through this, you know, I put, into, put together a talk or a Bible study on jealousy. So I, I didn't necessarily have the words to explain why this just felt wrong. But, but, um, I was with, in a pastoral situation where, where I was with someone where one person was having to confess, um, what, one person was learning that um, their spouse had been unfaithful. And when they heard that, they were pretty unmoved by it. And it, it, it just struck me, it was like, wow, there's, there's something wrong about this, right? And this is what it was. This is what it was. It's appropriate for this spouse to feel a jealous love that would be bothered when the love and affection that was pledged to him and belonged to him went went to another. And so also the, the next quote, holy righteous love without jealousy is an oxymoron. Even at a human level, if a husband and wife truly love each other, they will feel jealousy if that intimate love relationship is threatened. In a marriage, this kind of jealousy, which is a necessary byproduct of love, is evoked as a way of protecting the relationship and keeping it intact. It wants to preserve that which is valuable and beautiful, just as a husband is properly jealous for the love of his wife. So the Lord also is jealous for the love of his covenanted people. And that brings us to the next and the ultimate example of righteous jealousy that comes when the exclusive love and loyalty that should belong to God is given to another. Jealousy in scripture then is specifically God's righteous anger over idolatry. I only read half of those verses earlier when I told you that that 
it was associated with God's anger. The fullness of these verses say this is related to God's anger over idolatry because the love and the affection, the attention, the praise, the devotion that belongs to him, it's right for him, is going to another. Well, righteousness would provoke jealousy in that situation. Exodus 34, 14, that says the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. The first part of that verse says you shall worship no other God. The Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to them or serve to them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. All of these scriptures make that connection. Let me give you the New Testament, one New Testament one here, 1 Corinthians 10. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Verse 22 then says, shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? This is another side note. We talk about heart idols a lot in counseling. Let's be careful that we don't do that so much that we start to become flippant about idolatry, like it's not really that big of a deal. It provokes God's jealousy. God's a forgiving God and gives grace for it. But, but, but we should be appropriately grieved by it. And seeing that it provokes God's jealousy helps us in that way. Okay. Also, God is jealous or zealous for his glory, Scripture says. Uh, Ezekiel 39:25. Thus says the Lord God, I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. I will be jealous for my holy name. How is that jealousy? Well, it's because God is worthy to be worshipped. That praise belongs to him as his right. It's an injustice when it doesn't come to him. He alone is worthy of our highest love and loyalty. So in Isaiah, he says, I'm the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Now, some people who don't understand God's great, great worth may hear that and think, well, that's wrong. Well, it's only wrong if God doesn't deserve it. God is not an idolater. You know what I mean by that? That means, that means God knows that all of the worship belongs to him and to no other. God is not unrighteous, so he will not share the praise and the glory that he deserves. Also, this is connecting jealousy further. In God's eyes, idolatry is spiritual adultery. Idolatry is spiritual adultery. This this cornerstone verse we've gone to you shall worship in exodus 34 you shall worship no other god for the lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god then goes on to say so be careful that you don't that your sons don't whore after other gods the lord is jealous don't go after other gods because that would be spiritual adultery even It's hard to hear it, but the Bible uses the word. It would be a spiritual whoredom. Uh, Isaiah 54, 5. The the Lord says it. it, It's not just in the New Testament that God relates relates to his people as if a loving husband. Even in the Old Testament, Isaiah 40, 54, 5. Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, your redeemer. Jeremiah 31, 32. 
He talks about the covenant that he made with Israel when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. The covenant they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. And of course, in Ephesians, where it says the two, the husband and wife, the two become one flesh. And so that, that wholeness of devoted love to each other and the exclusivity of it, well, that reflects the wholeness of devoted love and the exclusivity of worship and love that we should give to God because the two becoming one flesh in marriage is a profound mystery that refers to the relationship of Christ and his church. Ephesians 5.32. Even, do you remember, okay, that, that really intense verse from Song of Songs that I read, this, this apex profession of, of the zeal of married love. Love is strong as death. Jealousy fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire. What's that fire? The very flame of the Lord. The flame that would cause, that would cause a married lover to be jealous for the love of, of their spouse is the flame of the Lord. That's the way he loves his covenant people. It's amazing. God loves his people with a jealous love, and, and he wants them to love him with a jealous love. Zechariah 1.14, God says, I'm exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. Zechariah 8.2, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy. Joel 2.18, the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. And he wants, he wants his people to love him with a jealous love. I say that because you think about Romans 10 and 11, where, where he quotes Deuteronomy, where God, God says to his people who were chasing after idols, he said, you've made me jealous with your idols. I'll make you jealous of those who were not a nation. Remember that? He wants, he wants his people to love him with, with such a devoted and whole love where they feel like this is my God. This is my God and I am his people. And he is wholly mine as God. All that he is as God, he gives to me for, for my good. And, and I'm his people. All that I am, I offer to him. Such a, such a strong, devoted love. It's almost like you would feel jealous if other people were having him as your God and you weren't. See? And this is related then to God has, is zealous or has zealous love for his people. I'm sorry for the, the fake out on these uh, slide changes here. God is zealous, has zealous love for his people, and he wants them to be zealous for him. Okay? Um, in, in Isaiah, he says he's going to do, he's going to rescue his people and judge his people's enemies, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And, and one Hebrew dictionary explains that use of the Hebrew word for zeal as Yahweh's jealous love. Here's, here's another example. Revelation 9, Revelation 3, 19. Does anyone remember? What's the last church in Revelation 3 that's addressed by Jesus? What's their problem? Laodicea, what's their problem? They're lukewarm. They're neither hot nor cold. They're indi- they've got this problem of they're indifferent in their covenant love. And so what does God tell them they need to do? They need to repent. He says, those whom I love, I discipline. So be zealous, or you could translate, be jealous and, and repent. Right? I love you. I love you so much that when you're not loving me like you should, I do something about it. 
I discipline you. So you don't be lukewarm in your love to me. Be zealous. Repent. Unrighteous examples. I'm not going to go through these, but um, for time's sake. But I think the common element in all of these unrighteous examples is that they're desiring love and loyalty or, or some such thing that's not rightfully theirs. It's not evil or unjust that, that it's not going to them. So their jealousy is sinful and it leads to sin. All right, so, so here's a definition, which we've you know beat around so many times, you probably already have this on your notes, but jealousy is a zealous desire for love and loyalty or something like it that rightfully belongs to you and the zealous anger that results when it's given to someone or something else instead. That's jealousy in the fullest sense of the word. And and you're going to meet people who are trying to deal with jealousy in the fullest sense of the word. But also notice that, that some people, uh, we, we commonly today in English use this word, and the Bible does sometimes, and so it's not translated jealousy when it's, when it's used in this way, but sometimes people use the word jealousy in a weaker sense just to refer to coveting or envy uh, when someone else gets or has something we desire. So how do we counsel jealousy? Well, first, we assess the jealousy. Assess the jealousy. Remember, don't, don't be overly simplistic about it, like, like be trigger happy to say, oh, that's bad. Stop feeling that way. It may or may not be sin. It may or may not lead to sin, but it may be holy. It may, it may reflect the glory of God and please him. Um, assess the jealousy, you know, I guess in light of the last comment I made, is it, is it this strong, full sense of the word or are we dealing with just a weaker sense of the word that's basically just coveting or envy? Okay, but, but here's... You know, because of the biblical groundwork that we did earlier, here's where we can cash that out into application. Uh, you can assess the righteousness or unrighteousness of jealousy along the lines that you would assess the righteousness or unrighteousness of any kind of desire or any kind of anger. Okay, so is there jealous desire for this love, affection, recognition, whatever it is? Is it inappropriate or is it inordinate? That is, it's not just covetousness or it's not just hyper-jealous. And, and again, a desire for something good like the loyalty of your wife, that's appropriate, but it can become inordinate when, if you're willing to sin to get that, or if you're wanting her loyalty in a way that, that is inappropriate, it's inordinate. That is, you, you feel like your marriage is threatened when your wife just looks at someone you know, of the opposite sex a hyper jealousy. Well, that kind of loyalty isn't rightfully yours. When she said, I give myself only to you. It's not reasonable. God doesn't expect her to say, therefore I will never, you know, make eye contact with another person of, of the male sex. Okay. That would be an inordinate desire. Also, is there jealous anger? Righteous. Uh, I reproduce for you three characteristics of godly anger. 
provocation, righteous anger reacts against actual sin from an accurate perception of true evil, sin defined biblically. So, so the example of hyper-jealousy I just shared, that this, this can apply too. Okay, is this, is this right? Is it, was there actually sin that happened here? Two, motivation. I'm going to read just part of these definitions. Righteous anger, including jealous righteous anger, focuses on God and his kingdom rights and concerns, not just on me, my kingdom rights and concerns. And then expression, righteous anger is accompanied by other godly qualities like self-control and expresses itself in godly ways. So that's important. If you're, ang- if you're, if you're angry about a righteous issue, but then you express that in an unrighteous way, you fly off the handle, you're not self-controlled, well, well, your anger has morphed into an unrighteous kind of thing. So assess the jealousy. Repent of sinful jealousy. Repent of sinful jealousy. If you've assessed that that's at play, including the, the hard idolatry that it may expose. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 both, both say covetousness is idolatry. And that connects with, with James 4, talking about our desires. can, If they're inordinate, right, our spiritual idolatry. So here's a, a couple of lines that maybe you can just keep, keep in mind here. What you're jealous for exposes what, what you were zealous for. That is what your true religious devotion, your most committed loves, come out in, in your zeal. Uh, also, you will be jealous. You will be zealous and jealous about whatever your heart is truly married to. Now, here's another thing to consider, and this is convicting and interesting. The idols of your sinful jealousy provoke God's righteous jealousy. You, you can use James one here, and this is a great way, right, to motivate you to repent of sinful jealousy. You're so, right, when we're angry, we are just in our own little world, aren't we? I mean, it's just like. No, nothing else matters except the way that we feel like we've been wronged. Okay, well, if you're like, oh, the, the, the thing that I'm desiring in a way that's, that's, that I'm inappropriately, jealously desiring, oh, whoa, wait, that's provoking God's jealousy? <laughs> and James 4, James 4 says this, actually, about, about when it says you covet or you're jealous, and, and you can't have it, so you get, you get angry. Then James 4, 4 says, you adulterous people. Okay, this is spiritual adultery when you do this. This is hard idolatry. And then, and then verse 5 says, do you suppose it's to no purpose that scripture says, he, God, yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us. So, so this can, can help us to, Repent of heart idolatry that may be exposed by sinful jealousy when we consider what our glorious God deserves and how idolatry provokes his righteous jealousy. Next, pursue and put on righteous alternatives like contentment, gratitude, godly enjoyment of what God has given. Here's another righteous alternative to put on humility because thinking you deserve what you don't is a form of pride, isn't it? And further, comparing yourself with others, which is the root of envy, that's also a form of pride, according to Scripture. So one example would be Galatians 5.26. Let us not become conceited, proud, 
And what would it look like if we become conceited? Well, one thing the verse clarifies, it would, it could look like we start provoking one another and envying one another. All right. Also genuine love, genuine love. How interesting that first Corinthians 13, four says love is not jealous. When wait, the previous page of my notes said that love that's not jealous is an oxymoron. All right. Okay, we just have to think carefully about this, right? Sinful jealousy is in, d- doesn't me- mesh with true biblical love. And so actually putting on true biblical love fights against sinful jealousy. He, righteous jealousy is about total devotion to what you should be devoted to. Sinful jealousy is about selfish ambition, um, in, in James 3, it connects jealousy and selfish ambition. The kind of jealousy that holds hands with selfish ambition is the kind that leads to every vile practice. And, it, and it's the opposite of genuine love, per, per 1 Corinthians 13, 4. So, so here's another example of it. Um, Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. It's a great alternative to covetousness. Galatians 5, which named jealousy as a fruit of this, as a work of the flesh, the fruit of the spirit is, is mainly all about love. All right, next, put on also as a righteous alternative, true worship and faith in God. I hope you understand based on what we've talked about so far, why that is a very direct righteous alternative to sinful jealousy. Also, here's the next one, address related or root issues, address related or root issues. Issues. Almost not. I shouldn't. I can take out the word almost and be more definitive in this statement. No sin stands alone. Um, So look for other issues that one one man that I counseled who was struggling with hyper jealousy, you know, just just he would burn with with an anger whenever he would he would see his wife doing things that weren't wrong, you know. Um, maybe smiling at someone when she took out the trash or something. Um, well, he, part, part of what really helped him was not addressing jealousy, but addressing anxiety. Because he, he didn't think, well, what happened? Oh, was something going on there? He thought, in anxiety, what if something happens there several months from now? Because that was, they seemed to have, you know, interact with each other pleasantly. Well, that was an anxiety issue. Um, worrying about the things of tomorrow the possible catastrophes of tomorrow instead of the sufficient is the trouble for today. Okay. All right, next. Respond to righteous jealousy righteously. Respond to righteous jealousy righteously. Even if you have a righteous jealousy, as in the case of a betrayed lover, don't respond to that in unrighteousness by, for example, seeking your own vengeance Returning evil for evil, becoming proud. Uh, one of the most convicting things I've ever heard in my life was uh, uh, something that Dr. Robert Jones, who's been here before, I think, um, said about counseling adultery. And he used Luke 18, the, the parable of the, the sinner and the Pharisee. And the sinner wouldn't, you know, wouldn't lift up his eyes to heaven, beat his breast. And, and the, 
the self-righteous man said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. And one of the things he listed is adulterers. And he's not the one who went home justified. And so here's the convicting thing he said. He said, the only thing worse than being an adulterer is being proud that you're not one. (laughs) Well, you know what? If If you're full of righteous jealousy, if you don't guard over that, if you're not careful, that can lead to self-righteousness, which can be even more spiritually dangerous than adultery, according to Luke 18. Don't become embittered. Don't become controlling. First Peter 4.19, let, let anyone who suffers according to the will of God entrust himself to a faithful creator while doing good. The temptation you might feel, you're so hurt in righteous jealousy, you're so upset that you want to try and control in an appropriate way to try and guarantee this never happens again. You can't do that. You have to respond, including in righteous trust. Entrust yourself to a faithful creator while doing good, just doing whatever is prudent and obedient. Also, okay, so respond to righteous jealousy righteously. It's not wrong to have jealous suspicions for good reason, nor wrong to investigate them or, or confront the... Did I put another word in your notes there? The person you suspect on the slide, there's, it just says the, okay, the suspected. So long as this is done in godly love and reasonableness, I should have put numbers five as a proof text here, right? Because that's the example, the offering, the sacrifice of jealousy that the man would bring. So sometimes this happens, right? Someone, there's a spouse who feels jealous and, and the other spouse is like, your, your suspicions are wrong. You know, how could you feel this way? Well, you know what? The spouse's suspicions might not be unrighteous if they have good reasons to maybe be suspicious. So, you know, outside help is often needed here. And as long as this is, the suspicions are investigated in, in godly love and reasonableness, um, that, that is responding to righteous jealousy righteously. Okay, next, respond to God's jealousy righteously. Give him the exclusive committed love and loyalty that he desires and deserves. The man who struggled with hyper jealousy, this was, this was big for him. He's like, well, there's, there's, there's a bigger jealousy I need to be worried about, which is God's. I need to focus on how I maybe have been provoking him to jealousy by not giving him my, my whole and first place love. You know, the ways to do this also, to respond to God's jealousy righteously, grow in your understanding of his great worth, his worthiness of all glory and love. That's what undergirds his jealousy. The more you understand God's great worth, the more that you will praise him for being a jealous God. He's like, God, that is so right. You deserve it. You deserve all worship. No one is worthy like you are. Okay. Whoop. Uh, also regularly meditate on, praise him for his infinite perfections, including his jealousy, as I just modeled. Also imitate him. Get his jealousy burning in your heart. This is cool. Pursue godly jealousy and zeal. Pursue godly jealousy and zeal. Fight jealousy with jealousy. Don't just remove jealousy. Replace jealousy with godly jealousy. You Have your heart burn with the fire of God's jealousy where you have a passionate desire for him to get the love and loyalty that he deserves. Not just from you, but from others too. And we have examples of this. Paul, it says, Paul felt a divine jealousy. For the Corinthians, he said, he said, I betrothed you 
to one husband as a pure virgin to Christ, and I'm afraid your thoughts are being led astray from a pure devotion to Christ, if someone comes and is proclaiming another Jesus, and he says, I feel a divine jealousy for you. That's powerful. Second Corinthians 11. This also really helped my brother who was dealing with hyper-jealousy. He's like, I need to start feeling the divine jealousy for my spouse where I'm jealous for her. I want to help her give all her love and loyalty to Christ. Other examples of this, Phineas in the Old Testament, it says he was jealous with God's jealousy. It was after he, he did a really radical thing, after Israel committed a, a, a horrible act of idolatry, yoking themselves to, to Baal of Peor, and uh, Phineas was filled with God's jealousy and exercised God's judgment on them. Elijah says to the Lord, I'm, I'm very jealous for the Lord. What was the context there? Israel was turning to idols. This was right after the big showdown on, on Mount Carmel, Carmel, again, Baal. And he's, he's saying God is the only God. What, what, was, what was that? What was he motivated by? He was very jealous for the Lord with God's jealousy. In Christ, his zeal for his father's house consumed him. Or he was jealous for his father's glory, the purity of his father's house. Pursue godly jealousy and zeal. Again, have, have stoke the fire of God's jealousy that, you, that you're zealous to see God receive the affection and praise he deserves. Get, get more wholeheartedly, single-mindedly passionate about the glory of God. Of course, others, you know, other godly jealousy would be for your spouse. Uh, other godly jealousy and zeal would be scriptures use the word jealous slash zealous, talking about be zealous for good, be zealous for good works, is be zealous for building up the church. Since you earnestly desire manifestations of the Spirit, since you're zealous for that, excel in building up the church, that verse says. All right, it's 559. We probably have 30 seconds. Any questions? It, it's a glorious topic, jealousy. Let's close in prayer. God, I pray that you would make us more like Elijah and Phineas and Paul and the Lord Jesus. That we would be more zealous for you and for your house. That we would, that we would have your jealousy in our hearts. That we would so earnestly desire for you to receive the love and loyalty that you deserve from us and from the people we try to minister to. God, we praise you that your name is jealous. This is a glorious perfection of yours. And again, we praise and thank you for the sufficiency of your word as you've proved again in this session. We give you these thanks and praises in the name of Jesus. Amen.